Crystal White, thank you so much for coming up today on such short notice. You're the, the best. You're welcome. How are you? Good. Yep. Wonderful. Really, really well. Since I've seen you last, and it's been a couple years, seems to me, you were having wonderful uh, dark sky events for people up there at uh, in the island in the sky area, typically. Uh, since that time, we have become recognized as a dark sky area uh, with its own initiatives, in part from Grand County High School graduate Betty Maya Foote. Uh, so start me from there. Tell us how that came to be and what's happening coming up. You're going to have another uh, dark sky event, aren't you? Yeah, there's a couple of them coming up, actually. Yeah, let's see. So the, the kind of the history of the I area. It, like, um, it was always a place that was called, what was it, the the nighttime triangle, some some dark sky triangle oh, between yeah. um, somewhere in New Mexico, Moab, and somewhere in Nevada, like that big, big area that was one of the darkest in the continent. Yeah, the, the Colorado Plateau in general is known for having some extremely dark skies, mm, you know, very low light pollution because mm -hmm. the communities are rather rural, mm -hmm. so small communities, and uh, mostly public lands, which leads to dark skies. And people from other places often, I, I remember this uh, statistic that only 10% or less of people on the planet right now can see the Milky Way. It's it's probably a little bit more than that, but not much. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe 10. Yeah. Um, but the thing is that a lot of people will come here and they don't yeah. get why dark sky right. matters and what light pollution is or what that weird streak in the sky really is. Yeah, they you really know. don't know. They look up and they're like, what is that? And then when you tell them it's like the spiral arm of our galaxy, you're looking right at it. It blows their mind. They, they can't believe it. Right. Yeah. Right, right. It's it's something quite extraordinary to experience, especially if you come from a city. Yes, indeed. Now, how how are we able to make the case that people should turn out their lights just for them, for the joy of being able to see the Milky Way mm. and protecting the night sky? And uh, you know, I'm sort of asking you for a lot all at once. But take us from the <laughs> yeah. beginning to how we got to the initiative today. I mean, now okay. it's more like. We are special. How do we protect that? And before it, it, that wasn't the that wasn't the initiative. Really, it was just like let us um, begin to recognize that it is a thing, right? Sure. Yeah. I, I think the more the east gets lit up, you know, people would come from the east to the west and visit. And as park rangers, you know, we're some of the first people to hear. You know, hey. You know, it's really dark out here. I've never experienced this before. It's blowing my mind. I've, I never even thought there were this many stars in, in our galaxy. And uh, so it, it kind of rang true. And then the International Dark Sky Association came out with its Dark Sky Places program. When was that? Oh, I think it was in the 80s, if I remember. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And Natural Bridges National Monument, just south of us, was like One the, of the first. first park. Wow. To be wow. recognized. And uh, from there, you know, the Park Service, National Park Service, got on board, and Canyonlands was designated. 
And then after Canyonlands was, I was working at Dead Horse Point next door, and, and for me it was like, why can't we do that? <laughs> and so I, I did it for Dead Horse. Oh, fantastic. And then Arches just recently was uh, designated as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then, yeah, Moab City and Grand County put in some um, new ordinances, or just, just kind of tightened them up a little bit. That's to, wonderful. Yeah. That's so good. Help. And I think Castle Valley is maybe still negotiating or considering the same designation. So they are almost done. Oh, fantastic. So they're about to turn in their application as well. Yeah. It's, it's good. Yeah, it is nice. And it's not just this community. I mean, it's you hear about it all over the western slope of Colorado. You know, there's even cities as big as Chicago. Mm that are working on changing their lighting. Well, that would be really good if Chicago yeah. did it. And we talk about it like, oh, beautiful stars, and oh, my my root is a human in the, yeah. uh, you know, Anthropocene or something like this. But the, uh, it's not just human beings. The reason why dark skies are important is because entire uh, orders of species rely on the nighttime sky. What are some of the other reasons. Talk to us about why it matters on that level. Yeah, as a, as a naturalist of over 20 years now, it's it's deeply rooted. You know, we like to disconnect ourselves from the web mm. of life. Uh, we're really fond of that as humans, and what we were coming to realize is that everything is interrelated, and as much as we try to escape the circadian rhythms that we're born with, you know, because of these cycles of light and dark from the sun and the moon, um, we can't. And the, I was able to speak with a, a researcher from Germany who was studying freshwater perch. And she was trying to find out exactly how much light above the full moon it would take before the perch would stop uh, f- uh, producing melatonin, which is a hormone that helps you rest and recover and sleep. Um, it was one lux, which is basically the equivalent of 100 watts. Oh. And the perch stopped producing melatonin. So it, she said it was a shock to her at just this slight increase, and they stopped. So it, it has a, a staggering effect. Here in the desert, you know, we have all these lovely wild toads that you can hear call right after the monsoon rains. Mm-hmm. Um, they're finding that in light-polluted areas, they call less. And they already have a hard time finding mates sometimes. So <laughs> they don't pick the right pothole, you know, they don't, they don't. So it's just adding to the stressors they're already facing. So climate change, habitat loss, light pollution mm-hmm. is adding another, another layer. And I'm wondering, besides, oh... I can almost remember some of the conversations uh, in the city and the county back in the day when there was uh, this idea to kind of bring the lighting down because it, it really had much more of a sort of truck stop field going all the way through town, just like this strip, you know, the gas stations, that kind of thing. So 70s, early 80s, whole different deal it was to make it big and bright and tall uh, to say, get your gas here or whatever. And uh, the conversation at the time was safety, we want to make money, some of the more perhaps predictable um, reasons why it was really important to keep it bright. Do you find that 
people have shifted quite a little bit about that or are they trying to kind of weigh what's more important and so do you find there are people that are giving you the whole commerce spiel yeah i mean there there are people afraid that if they don't have a bright sign on the side of their building they won't be noticed mm-hmm. and i try to convince them that you know cell phones are how people find where they're going to go now mm-hmm. you know apps and cell phones and reviews and it's not through looking at signs and driving through town to find the place. It's so true, actually, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? Wow. It really is. I mean, it's a different generation, and we, we, we live very differently. Um, but as far as safety, safety is a real concern, you know. And people think of less light as being less safe. Mm-hmm. And really all it's about is, you know, just directing the light where it's needed. Mm-hmm. And right now it's shining up and glaring in eyes. If you direct it straight down to the ground where it's needed, you have more light with less, less, less wattage. So. Right. right. So if you've just tuned in, you're listening here on This Week in Moab. I'm Christy williams Stunton. We're speaking with Crystal White. About the time that we met, I think, you were doing... Uh, Events at Dead Horse Point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, we were. And so that played a little bit into what you're doing now, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, when you when you take your career and you think about the best parts of it, by far, being underneath the night sky is the best part for me. And for me, it was, it was really just about wanting a deeper connection with the people that I was talking to rather than just two minutes of their time. I wanted to actually have those deeper conversations, try to get them to think about, you know, darkness and, and how wonderful it is to be able, and magical it is to be able to see the universe beyond. And the way you do that is to have longer tours and smaller groups. And it's been a beautiful thing for me. And so you take people out to all kinds of places that are the darkest of all, and you and then you have a sort of the naked eye view, or do you put them behind a device and say peek? We do both. While they're waiting to look through the telescope, they're also looking up and just enjoying the night. How long does it take for somebody's eyes to adjust? And talk to me about how that happens. You, you yeah. probably... Uh, guide people through that process a little. Yeah, so our eyes are kind of funny, you know. They're, they're funny creatures. They're really well adapted to daytime living. Um, nighttime, not so great um, as, as we perceive, right? But they can adjust pretty mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. It's just bright lights tend to bleach the pigments in our eyes for a while. And so it takes a good, you know, 15 to 20 minutes depending on how good your eyesight is, how your age. Lots of factors can be involved there um, before you can see dark again, you know. And so really it's, it's just about limiting how much light exposure you have if you're trying to view the night sky. Trying not to look at these electronic devices. Um, they tend to do the same thing as car headlights and bleach your eyes a bit. And it takes a while before you can see galaxies and nebulas and things like that oh indeed if you've ever at night for some reason picked up from sleep to mm. turn on your cell phone and then been blasted <laughs> you understand the term having your eyesight sort of bleached for a minute it takes a while for your eyes to get over a kind of a little bit of a shock of it isn't it yeah 
Yeah, and uh, and our eyes work differently at night. Like, you know, we're made to be predators during the day, so most of the cones are right in the center of your eye. And those are the things you use during the day. They show you color, they show you depth. Mm-hmm. And then at night, we use mostly rods, which are found toward the outer edges of the eye. And so when you're viewing at night, it's almost better to just be really relaxed and just really kind of phase out. And then everything looks so much more clear. Pretend we're out there on a tour and we're looking at, say, Andromeda. Yeah. Or any of the better known constellations or groupings of stars. Give us us a quickie about um, a recognizable constellation. How far away is it? How is it that we can see it with our naked eye? Okay. Give us a taste. Well, I'll give you an example of a really cool little bit. about Orion. So you may know, or maybe you don't know, that there is a current spacecraft called Juno that is orbiting Jupiter right now. And Juno was made to recognize certain stars. And so it navigates like ancient sailors through the, through around Jupiter. And so it reorients itself based off of those set stars and they put a camera on it so they could take pictures and there's this beautiful picture of Orion from the Juno spacecraft around Jupiter and in that in that picture you can see this faint trail of the rings of Jupiter which the ring of Jupiter I should say which is just like this little dust lane of debris that Jupiter has captured that circles it. We we live in a remarkable time (laughs) to be able to see these things and understand them the way that we do. In previous ages, there were some, and still are, some wonderful um, myths, histories, stories, including those that used the stars to be able to navigate. Mm Um, I'm very taken with them, all of the stories and the kind of, uh, I guess I want to say, imaginal, romantic, animated symbolism. They're like, okay, that's the hunter, and oh, that's Pisces the (laughs) fish, and I'm trying to make the fish out. You know, it's like, okay, wow. Um, What's your favorite part about it? Do you like the stories? Do you like the math? What do you love about the whole thing? I really like the deep science. Mm -hmm. Um... Yeah, that's that's the part that actually kind of captures me the most. Uh, I like all the theories of what things are. Like right now, there's a new theory out about globular star clusters. There are these objects in space that are, you know, all these stars that are bound to each other by gravity. And we're talking hundreds of thousands to millions of stars. And when you puzzle that out, you know, it's really hard for your brain not to say, there's got to be a black hole in there right? It's got to be a galaxy. But it's not. At least that's that was the thought, right? We can't see one centralized black hole. So the new theory is that there are like uh, several medium-sized black holes, and that's why we don't see one point that's really active, but that's what's holding them all together. So rather separate than dark matter, but black holes are... Uh... Not just 
holding them together. They're they're pulling them into their own, you know, yes? Sort of. I mean, <laughs> if you if your speed is just right when you come up to a black hole, you can actually just orbit the event horizon. Things get weird. <laughs> Time slows down for you, but you you technically you could. It's not going to like suck you over the lip, right? But <laughs> Timing yes. is everything, is that what you're <laughs> yes. telling me? Okay. Gravity is going to work to bring you down toward that black hole, yes. Ah. Yeah. So the, the sort of governing theories of our universe and how we kind of get to open up just a little window yeah. into how things may be just not. Science is wonderful this way. Yeah. Uh, do you have, I see you have a... Uh, star guide yeah. for adventures for Utah. I do. I'm I'm wondering if you'd give us just a a little bit. Why'd you bring the book along? Um, this okay. Remind me though to tell you about the events that are coming up. Okay, you could you could do that right now. Well, let's a, let's only do it. Five twenty and uh, yeah, tell us tell us because uh, we were talking about how we, how you got from doing that dark sky events to the tours that are happening now and we yeah. got lost in um orion's belt yeah Sorry understandably so because orion's <laughs> belt is pretty amazing thank you very much <laughs> so yeah sand flats recreation area um you may know andrea brand yes i do and she, i love her me too mm -hmm. she is going for an international dark sky certification for sand flats oh fantastic and part of that is to put up put on uh, community events and I'm also, uh, I volunteer with the Jet Propulsion Laboratory out of California, one of NASA's centers. And my part in that volunteer is to do community events where I teach people about the things going on in NASA science. Um, and that could be any of NASA's centers. So I joined with Andrea here and we were doing some events We've already had a few. We had the Perseids meteor shower where we saw some really good fireballs. We beautiful. sure did. There were some big old ones. Yeah. And then the, we did a full moon hike on mm. the 20th of August. Mm. But upcoming, we have a couple star parties that are going to happen. And these are limited to 20 people. And you sign up online. But uh, one is September 30th from 7.30 to 9.30 p.m. And the other one's October 22nd from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. And you just find, uh, there's posters all over town. There's one in Moonflower Market. Um, I don't know where else Andrea put them, but uh, okay, so you'll see these and I'll tell you how to sign up on them. Fantastic. And just because radio, and you know, in radio you have to say it a couple times, and then yeah. somehow it, it sinks into your brain skin. I don't know what this. So what's the first date? Of the first thing? Yeah, I just closed it. That's great. Of course. <laughs> September so 30th. No, that's okay. September 30th, 7.30 to 9.30 p.m. And October 22nd, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. And actually, you just email stargazemoab at gmail.com to sign up. Wonderful. That was my next question. You're so good at that. And then we have the Moab Science Festival coming up. How about that? That's super exciting, yeah. isn't it? Thank you, Christina Young. Thank you, everybody involved. Thanks, Science Moab. Yes. And on the Friday night, we have a, a night sky program as well. And you can find out about that on Moab Festival of Science website. And that gives you a link to sign up just right off the website. Mm. 
How cool is it that we are made of stardust? It's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite small video clips is of Neil deGrasse Tyson talking about the most astonishing fact to him. And I will leave it at that, and you can look it up, but it's on YouTube. And he talks about that. You know, he talks about how the elements that make up our bodies were created. And it really is beautiful. It's just such a beautiful clip. Um, Yeah, (laughs) it's amazing. Science is a very uh, moving thing. Mm -hmm. We're talking about just the phenomena that we are, that we are a part of. And I so appreciate the heart of uh, genuine curiosity and respect that you bring to your work. Crystal White, thank you. you Let's do, uh, now we can crack the book. Okay. Don't forget that one date, though, September 30th. First, September 30th first is the next one. Yep. Yeah. Now, where again? We didn't say where. Um, that's because you have to sign up to find out. <gasps> <laughs> Mainly just because we're trying to limit the, the, the people. And again, it's Stargaze Moab. At gmail.com. Right on. Yeah. So, yeah, I, with, with Betty Maya Foote, she was the photographer, and she wrote a, a wonderful piece about astrophotography in here. But we worked on a book together called Starry Sky Adventures Utah. And it's a guide to, um, which includes most of the international dark sky places in the state. There's a few more that have joined since we wrote the book. It's amazing how fast that happens. Um, And then it also has some astrophotography tips and sites to go to. But it's mostly just an adventure guide to hike, backpack, paddle, um, all these different adventures that you can do in some of these dark sky places and how to prepare for them, how to, you know, what to look for while you're out there. Um, it even gives you tips of what to look for in different seasons while you're out there. Mm. Congratulations. Thank I'm you. ever so proud of Betty Maya Foot. I can remember when she was in elementary school coming up here doing early morning uh, radio and, um, Watching her grow into the powerhouse that she is, doing such good for the nighttime sky and the scientific community. I'm just yay, yeah, way on team Betty Maya and team Crystal. Thank you for doing the book. Uh, is there anything that you want to pull out of there to uh, speak about, you know? or um, Well, I did mark, I marked one little passage um, that's kind of in the same vein as what Neil deGrasse Tyson was talking about. Yay. Um, It says, I spend a lot of time talking with people about dark sky conservation. Everyone I've asked can remember their first time under a truly dark night sky. They often speak to feeling small or insignificant after learning how vast the universe is. Feeling insignificant is a curious feeling. Once you consider that our human origins, our elemental makeup, comes from the death of high mass stars within the same universe. We are a collective consciousness of the universe, a mirror of creation through cataclysmic explosions. Mm. We are the universe manifesting itself as the elements created within the universe are within us. And uh, that's just one little part. What I will do is come all the way around, like planets and conversations love to do, and say Mm -hmm. that the moon is currently in... The constellation of Virgo, it's a Virgo full moon. What does this mean? Well, because you are a scientist, 
Mm-hmm. I'll just, I'll just perhaps irritate you by saying, "Oh no, not at all. Go <laughs> ahead." Uh, here it is. It's it's uh, the perfection of seeing the universe in a grain of sand. Yeah, and so it is. And with that, we are all connected. And I hope you have a big, round, beautiful, silvery evening. Um, wishes come true on all crystal. Thank you for coming up today. Yeah, thanks for inviting me out. Super. Again, you can find out more about the adventure tours. Uh, Moab Astronomy Tours. Moab Astronomy Tours. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't mind saying. How do they? It's just moabastronomytours.com. Dot com. Great. Yeah. And the name of the book? Starry Sky Adventures, Utah. Okay, now if you can dice that, Moab, you are wonderful. Just know, dark skies, crystal, figure it out. Thanks for coming up today. Thank you. Um, It's 5.30. I cannot believe it, but it's true. We're going to be back with another guest, a person, oh, in whom I am well pleased. I love me some Rihanna Medina. We're going to have her in a bit. Stay tuned. Here at KZMU today, we have for the Moab Valley Multicultural Center, none other than its lead the ed we have rihanna madane thank you for coming up today thanks for having me i get to see you in person yep i'm very grateful for it it has been such a challenging year i can only imagine that for the nonprofit, trying to navigate covid with everything that's been happening in our socio-political arena here in the country across the border it's been a year hasn't it it's been a year. It's been a year. I think, I, I hope I can speak on behalf of the team over there is that, you know, we we learned a lot in 2020. And so going into 2021, we've all just been trying to remain positive and do everything that we can to continue doing what we do as best we can in this climate, in this time we're living in. So we're, I think we're doing it well. I think so, too. And it occurs to me that there may be people listening here to this week in Moab on KZMU that may still be unaware that uh, there is a multicultural center here. There wasn't always. There is. It has programs. Talk about it. Thank you. You know, thanks for asking that question, because we the multicultural center will always have the difficulty of um, not being so obvious about what it is we do and who we are right like grand area mentoring is quite obviously a mentoring program the youth garden project is quite obviously a a garden project for for youth Mm -hmm. but what is the moab valley multicultural center is it an arts organization is it um you know what are they what are they doing and we you know our, our mission has been and continues to be building bridges across language and culture through family support community collaboration and education and specifically the programs that we offer are always going to ebb and flow with the largest needs of the community and right now that looks like language interpretation services we have professional trained and certified language and professionals that do interpretation which is spoken and translation which is written and we are in the hospitals the courts the schools the businesses we do that by virtually on the phone in person um, it's our great pleasure to be a conduit for 
expert English and, and Spanish in all areas of our community. We also have a plethora of social services that looks like like sometimes people in crisis and sometimes just people needing to come to us before they connect to a more formal service, right? Like I need to hire an attorney and I don't know if I really need an attorney, right? What are my self-represented options versus hiring a private attorney? That's something you could come chat, chat with someone at MVMC about homeless services, um, gosh, all, all different kinds of uh, crisis that you can imagine. If we can't help you, we have over 100 partners throughout this state, locally, regionally, that we can connect you with. Um, legal, legal advocacy, navigation, it's a really complicated system, sometimes for people who aren't familiar with it. So we go to court with folks. We help them um, navigate. Sometimes when someone is going through a legal process, they have a lot of requirements and having an advocate to help get you through all of that is helpful. We have an immigration attorney that supervises us through a very specific scope of immigration legal services. It's the only place off the Wasatch Front in rural Utah that you can get some comprehensive immigration legal services So for very affordable prices. That's just kind of amazing. I just kind of want to pause with that right now because we have had such a conversation about that topic in the last four years. I mean, mm -hmm. I thought it was a big deal before that, and it was, but now we're talking about some really pretty crisis levels of people needing uh, compassionate care. <laughs> yeah. uh, how do you describe how it is now? Uh, you know, I would describe it as complicated. And, mm -hmm. you know, we, we work with inside what the law permits us to to do really um and just like you know immigration is one section of the law that really needs a specialized counsel mm -hmm. and the attorney that w that supervises us works with the the biggest immigration legal services provider in the state which is catholic community services we're really lucky to have um, have met her beforehand and developed a relationship to the point where we've got an intake system that's really affordable, allows us to, to pay her, and that's subsidized by, by grants, of course, because we're a nonprofit, but we can help people with applications for adjustment of status, naturalization, renewing a green card, um, for any kind of issues that are oh, I guess work, like work visas or criminal issues in immigration, we will still do a consult, but we will refer to a, a private attorney for some of those more complicated things. But it's always good to have a, a quality referral because it's like, what do you, what do you do? You Google and you get many numbers and it's hard to know, right? Getting mm -hmm. a quality referral is, is better than kind of starting with not knowing anyone. Right, like imagine it not being your first language, uh, you yourself, listener, and going to a country that you've loved your whole life, but it's still not your first language, and try and navigate a kerfuffle of any kind right. uh, when you don't know anybody and the language is not so strong. This is the kind of um, help that the Moab Valley Multicultural Center can do so it's really broad. 
and we're really grateful. Yeah, thank you. And I should mention also our, our food pantry, which I think, you know, we started off talking about COVID and how does that change everything. And, you know, MVMC always had a, a very small, um, humble food pantry, but mm-hmm. it, it became a huge deal when COVID hit. We couldn't keep enough food in in our agency to give out. It's like we, it was it was crazy. I've never seen anything like it. And things have settled down somewhat, but we still continue to be the, the food pantry in the entire Grand County that is open the most. Our county, our Grand County Food Bank is only open two days a week. And there's a couple of churches. I know the Episcopal Church has some food pantry hours mm-hmm. 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 but we're open monday through friday people can come twice a month we have a basic food box that makes 23 meals conservatively um and it's supplemented by some of the great folks in this community who bring their garden goods to us that they they're they're over over abundance we got a bunch of plums that we brought for you guys mm-hmm. here at kzmu because we got a we got so many we can't, couldn't even hand them all out oh i just need to shout out all the growers we love you thank you yes so food pantry and youth programs um are you still doing esl and and also uh beginning spanish for people like me that really want to continue to learn we're not at this time we we've had it's just had worked out in for so many years that there were educators in the community that wanted to do english as a second language spanish as a second language and there hasn't been anybody available at this time and we've been so busy with the other things Mm -hmm. but who, who knows? We'll, we'll see if that, that opportunity presents itself again. Maybe it will come back for the conversational one-on-one kind of method of learning language. Yeah. Always so uh, valuable. Talking to Executive Director of the Moab Valley Multicultural Center, it's been a nonprofit in our area for seems like 20 years or so. We got our 501c3 in 07. So what is that? 14 years? I do the math, listener. Not yet 20. Do the math. Is that right? Something I think that's like right. That, yeah. Not yet 20. <laughs> Not quite yet. Uh-huh. But uh, it is such a sort of cornerstone, taproot of uh, really beautiful programming. What do we want to see that you're doing right now? There's one of the things that's happening actually this week in Moab. Isn't that correct? Yes. Well, I mean, there's many things you want to see. There's just so many ways to get involved, whether that's volunteering or becoming a donor or um, a mentor in our mentoring youth program, uh, or gosh, you know, sometimes we just need people to help run errands sometimes, <laughs> or groundskeeping or things like that. There's there's a million things that you can help the Multicultural Center do, um, but what Christy is so wonderfully getting at is that we have an event coming up this Thursday. It is an outdoor COVID-friendly event. We have rented the city's big outdoor movie screen and sound equipment. And there is a very talented man in our community who um, has helped put together six years worth of footage and made a tribute docu-film about dancing with the Moab stars and it is so it's so lovely it's so lovely there's we've got there's clips if you have danced in it you will find you will see yourself we've made sure there's clips of everybody it talks about the center it talks about why that event 
how it came to be and how it really kind of speaks to the community we're trying to build, which is, you know, everybody coming together and sharing the things that go over any kind of things that divide us, right? Like dancing and food and fun and music. And it's, it's turned out to be such a lovely film. I'm so moved by it because I'm remembering all of the Dancing with the Moab Stars events and seeing people who are not self-professed dancers in any way or people that are from quite uh, varied walks of life. Absolutely. Uh, both politically, ethnically. Age. Age, all the things. Race, religion, and that, like all over the... To yeah. see people come together and do a dance and you could see that the only way they could do that was to become friends to be able to dance together in front of their community and you could just see it in their movements yeah. and the kind of uh, trust that's both necessary and so beautifully choreographed I yeah. am so moved by this project who was your do you want to give a shout out to the filmmaker Yes, Anthony Militane. <gasps> Anthony! Yes. He would be, if, he's so shy, so, <laughs> but yeah. I, I can't help it. Sorry, Anthony. You're, he you're, deserves it. You're, such, you're a creative genius, and you oh. put up with all of my um, edits and oh. made it into a great film. <laughs> We, we are bowing. Anthony Militano. Yes. May, uh, you know, just all the good come back to you. Thank you for the big work. It's a lot to edit that down oh, into. Oh, it's, it's so much. <laughs> it's, nobody knows. What is the length of the? 45 minutes. That's it? That's it. We got it all in there. And, and also, if you come to the event this Thursday, which is at 7 p.m. in our Swanee Park there by the Aquatic Center, we will be doing the live multicultural flag procession, which has been a part of Dancing with the Moab Stars ever since the second year. Mm. Um, and we thought we could we can do that outdoors and, and do that live before the film. So we've got a brand new multicultural flag procession. It's going to be super fun. They're going to be walking to um, oh, Sly and the Family Stones, different strokes for different folks. Is that, I, can't, I don't think that's the name <laughs> yes. of the song, but we're super. We've got T-shirts made. I mean, it's going to be fun. <laughs> Thank you for putting it together. I'm so excited for this. And, uh, yeah, I hope everybody that ever danced in it is still here to appreciate the moves. Yes. I'm curious about one thing, uh, well, lots of things, but um, I'm wondering if, you know, the kind of uh, housing situation that we've been having and the worries about people not being able to work during COVID and falling behind because there are a lot of people working restaurant jobs or what, you know, right. uh, service jobs. Um, if there's been any ev eviction action, and if so, do you ever, you know, um, provide advocacy and backup? Uh, absolutely. You know, we, we're not attorneys, but we have great connections to free, low bono, um, and other nonprofit legal resources. If you have any issues that, you know, either 
housing, homelessness, or, or you know, COVID interfering with your ability to meet your basic needs in that because you had COVID or anything like that, you should come to the Multicultural Center. We have been really successful in getting folks resources. Um, if, if anyone listening doesn't know about rentrelief.gov, that is the, the website that the state is promoting. It's, it's not that difficult of an application, but that it is what the main source for people affected by COVID that are, are they're having a hard time meeting their housing payments that you had asked. Mm-hmm. So rentrelief.gov. Um, and then the eviction, you know, we've, the state has gone in and out of like the eviction moratorium. There's no eviction moratorium. Well, only if you have this many people, you know, what's your transmission rate, right? So it's kind of, it changes a lot whether or not the eviction moratorium is valid in, in our area. But yeah, give us, give us a call. We can help you look into that. And there's, there's so many great um, housing resources because eviction is also another kind of complicated legal process. And that's, you know, both on the landlord and on the tenant side, mm-hmm. there's mm-hmm. a lot to know there. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can, we can absolutely help, help you with that. What would you say to people that have been raised without much exposure to people of different cultures as an easy entryway to learning more? Maybe they're even a little bit resistant. What's your favorite way to warm them up and get them curious? I think, you know, the thing that comes to mind is vulnerability. Mm. Because if you let people know who, who you are and you can kind of be in a situation where other people are also vulnerable that's when you find that you have more in common than you originally thought so vulnerability curiosity a sense of humor kind of that's i think that's maybe the recipe Mm. travel Yes. Well, here's hoping that we can do more of that. And as we do, that we're able to appreciate one another on the trails that we uh, that we cross through with one another. What's your hope then for multiculturalism? If you were on a scale of one to 10, when you started at uh, MVMC and today, uh, what's the sort of growth in goodness ratio? How would you say it is about multiculturalism's health in Moab? Is it is it better than it was when you started? Oh, yeah. I mean, for those of you listening that don't know, I've been, um, I moved to Moab in 2010 and almost immediately started organ- being a volunteer for MBMC, and I became its executive director in 2012. So that's, that's close to 10 years, it's nine years maybe, but we are absolutely so much further ahead in terms of um oh gosh how language interpreters are treated as professionals and how you know having a professional language interpreter is best practice in schools and hospitals and um other you know settings before where maybe kids were being used as oh interpreters Mm -hmm. so that's that's a really important area i think that's gotten so much better but but also just um, being able to to share culture and you know obviously and remember that Moab is a culture too right like mm-hmm. everybody being able to share that and, and be curious about each other and respect each other I think we we have come a great long way since I 
since I first arrived. I think some of that work obviously started long before I ever knew that Moab was a, a place. This place is, is rich in, in the history of, a, of diversity. Decades and decades and hundreds thousands, of years thousands. ago. Thousands of years ago. But, um, yeah, I mean, dis- despite maybe some discouraging news or maybe if you went down a, a dark Facebook hole, um, things are are better than we think, and I think it, they will continue to go in that direction. <sighs> a beautiful breath of fresh air about topics that we typically are kind of, you know, <laughs> there are dark uh, threads that you can go down. So shedding some light about our our shared uh, place, our shared earth, uh, all the fun that we can have with one another. Uh, I, I'm of a mind here on this full moon, harvest moon, um, thinking about the people that have passed on that are now part of the great majority our ancestors so just a big shout out to the ancestors here on this full moon show as a way of asking you if you're going to do dios dios dia de los muertos thank you you bet um this is one that we covid couldn't keep us down even last year we will be having uh dia de los muertos we're still majorly planning how to how what that looks like and making it safe but anybody um who wants to learn about what that holiday is and every every year we we ask anyone from the community whether you're um, have a latin american background or not if you want to honor somebody um, who's passed away in a really kind of fun uh colorful way that that allows other people to see what a great life this person had you should contact mbmc and we'll get you a a space reserved to set up an ofrenda for for someone dear who's passed what is it called again an ofrenda ofrenda the offering what is remembered lives absolutely thank you for holding the uh, altar space open for that remembrance what's the number at moab valley multicultural center we are at 435-259-5444. And you're open M through F? M through F. Okay. Do it to it, Moab. Vaya con Dios. We've got in just a little bit the word of the day. Is it palabra de la día? Mm-hmm. Palabra del día. Del día. Del día. What's your favorite word today? Do you have a favorite word? Ooh. Hmm. A lot of words today in Spanish on español. Oh, my favorite word. Oh, my, my favorite word in Spanish is ajonjoli, which means sesame seed. But it's just fun to say. <laughs> Thanks for keeping it real, Moab. KZMU 90.1 106.7 FM. I'm Christy. This has been this week in Moab.